All right, so it was a pretty big day here in New England. Talking about Bill Belichick and the Patriots. My man Greg is uh, tired. He's had a long day. But here we are to do this podcast, the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles. Of course, this episode brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Let's start with the uh, first question for you, Greg. When did you find out that Belichick was going to be mutually parting ways? And uh, what was your first reaction to it? Uh, I heard uh, this morning when I woke up, Bajardi has the morning shifts. I have the late night shifts because I have to edit and put uh, BSJ to bed. So I woke up around 932. The news, I mean, I didn't really have any reaction to it. uh, you know, certainly the the wording from um, Schefter and ESPN was um, interesting. And, uh, you know, I I figured that might be the case. I mean, I, I wasn't I don't think I was expecting, um, you know, some sort of, you know, war over this or Belichick quit in protest or something like that. So I don't <laughs> know. I mean, I figured we all knew it was coming. It was just a matter of time. And, um, you know, I, I know I had you know, increasingly reported that, that like, it was just, it was just a matter of time. So um, I'm glad it wasn't like Wednesday when everything else was going on between Pete Carroll and Nick Saban. And uh, they kind of got a day for their own. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, you know, it, it wasn't much of a thing. I mean, we had some stuff prepared ahead of time. This is what you do in the business. Um, everybody nope. does it, um, get stuff in the can, so to speak. Um and then you can adjust on the fly, but, uh, you know, the odds were strong that was going to happen, you know, by the end of the week. And I'm glad they did it on Thursday instead of uh, like a Friday. Do you think that was by design? Bert Breer was the first guy that brought this up today, and I thought it made a lot of sense. Maybe just maybe they knew this was going to happen yesterday, yesterday afternoon. But Belichick also knew that Saban was going to retire. Do you think that played a role at all? You know, give Saban his flowers last night and save this for this morning. Yeah, absolutely. I think that had um, something to do with it. Uh, I, I think that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I think that. Look, let's also understand who we're talking about here: the Crafts and and you know the Patriots and the people that work for them and all that. They are well aware of the news cycles and how yep. things go and how things get played. So, leaking it first thing in the morning setting up a press conference for noon when all the TV stations can go live uh, to Foxborough for the press conference, that was not on accident. So I think, you know, it d- does it make sense that maybe they put a hold on it because of Saban? Yeah, but I would say, I would say that was probably the plan anyways to get maximum exposure, which they did. I mean, they dominated the day today from, you know, Bill and Robert at noon on the noon cast, Robert at two to lead into the the the, the nighttime newscasts. Uh, this was all well coordinated, as the Patriots often are. Before we get into details of the press conference with Belichick and Kraft together from the noontime, just your idea of the press conference itself. Your your idea of the presser was that the right approach? Did you think? that was much more impactful and thoughtful than what we might have gotten if it was just a simple statement that was released, Greg. Yeah, I thought it was a good touch by both sides. And Belichick didn't have to agree to this. He could have just released the statement and gone. But I think I think from talking to people um, behind the scenes, you know, over what's gone on the past couple of days, I think that, um, you know, at one point Robert said something today about how, like, they seem to have gone to another level in their relationship during the the course of these discussions. And I think that's true. I think that, I think that, you know, they talk through some things, uh, Robert, you know, they, the general manager personnel power type of thing was talked about. Uh, but I think both sides like really agreed, like it's not going to work. Like, you know, it, it's just, how's it going to work and it's going to get messy. And like, I'm not going to like their picks and, you know, they're not going to like what I do if I plan like it just it doesn't make any sense. Like it, it they had come too far. They were entrenched too much in how they did things to, you know, really sort of dial back on that. And I think that, 
I think that the two of them just came to a realization as talking just like, yeah, there's nothing's really going to work as far as adjusting this to go on. I would love to, but I just don't see how this works for either of us very well. And so let's just let's just move on. And then I think they got to talking about the, uh, you know, how to exit and. You know, it just would have looked cold and impersonal if they did the statements separately, uh, not on camera, that they were able to go up there today together. Um, I do think that the the emotions of the event uh, were genuine. Um, I talked to somebody who um, knows Bill pretty well that said, like, he's in a really good place. Like, I don't I don't know what's at the root of that. Um you know, maybe there's a burden that's been lifted. Maybe he's looking forward to change. Maybe it was Robert saying like, Bill, you're free to do anything you want. And here's a $25 million check on your way out the door. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but all I know is uh, Bill's in a really good place where uh, where he is right now. And so he did the song and dance. Now, I did not expect certainly Belichick to take any questions today. Yeah. Uh, when I saw the single podium up there, I figured at the very least or at the most we would get Bill would read uh, a statement. Um, you know, Kraft would read a statement. They'd mug for the cameras. This is really what it was. It was a photo opportunity for Patriots Nation and a yeah. way to put a bow on their 24 years together and all the success and all that. Put a put a nice bow on it at the end. And, you know, maybe Kraft would have taken questions after that while Bill sort of left. Um, but I think this was at the end of the day, I think this was the best way to do it. I liked the way they did it, um, you know, not only for themselves, but also the fans. I, I, I thought it was I thought it was handled really well. I thought Bill Belichick today was genuine and I, I thought you could really feel the moment when he was up there. First of all, no notes, Greg, that I could see. Maybe you saw notes, but it seemed like this was straight from the heart, straight from the head. He didn't have anything necessarily written down. And I, I was surprised, Greg. I don't know if you were surprised, but I was surprised. He got a little emotional when he started talking about mm -hmm. the fans. He started talking yeah. about the parades and all of that. You could hear his voice going weak and in, in, in and out every once in a while. And it wasn't because he's been sick. You could hear that quivering, that emotion within him. Were you surprised at all that we had a little touch of emotion from Bill today? Yeah, I I wasn't surprised at like the emotion in general. I thought we might get that a little bit because like, you know, it it was something something terrific, something the NFL has never seen, something historic was coming to an end and nobody knows the history of the NFL better than Bill. So I thought he would be at some point he would be emotional, but where he did it, talking about the fans, that surprised me. Not that I didn't think that you know he didn't have emotions towards the fans or anything like that. That just that it was there at that moment. That surprised me. To me, it's it spoke to you know. Look, let's be honest. There's a uh, there's a sizable contingent of Patriots fans, and you know now they might be in the minority um, that have had Bills back through everything. Yeah, I mean anything that he did they thought was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And I'm not saying that's right, wrong, or otherwise. I'm just stating a fact that, you know, whether it was Spygate or Deflategate or, you know, what had the, the, the breakup with Brady. There were a lot of people who were on Bill's side with that and looked more towards Brady as sort of being ungrateful and, and all that stuff. I mean, I think, I think there, there is a, there's a sizable contingent of Patriots fans who have had Bills back through a lot of things, a lot of uh, difficult things. And I think that's where the emotion came from. I think he realized it. You know, he talked about the letters of support that he got. I think, uh, yeah, I, I think that was that was real. It, def it definitely surprised me, but I definitely think it was real. What'd you think of Kraft's statement? I, I thought it was very telling the way he began it by saying, you know, we, we parted ways mutually and then he 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 made sure that he said amicably and uh, almost like an all caps to everybody in the room amicably. Just your thoughts on Kraft's statement, which was obviously a red statement from something that was prepared. Yeah, it was, um, you know, mutually parting ways and amicably was yeah. like, I mean, they might as well just put a banner 
behind them, like sort of like mission accomplished banner and, and, and that, I mean, uh, look, I think that was important to Robert, um, you know, with his legacy, with the hall of fame, all that stuff, um, you know, that, that Tom Brady was able to come back and he always, you know, sort of had good terms with Robert, you know, was important. Now Bill leaving, um, on good terms, I think was, you know, very important because we, you know, we know how craft is and he's sentimental and, and he, he likes to please everybody. He doesn't want to be hated or anything like that. And so, um, you know, Bill definitely did him a solid by, uh, by being there, agreeing to all this because, you know, now, now Robert can carry that through through the end of his days that, you know, yes, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick left, but they left on good terms because we did things the right way. And, you know, we're going to celebrate that run. I thought it was a great moment. I, I really I really felt that it was a great moment. And we've heard that Kraft has wanted this, quote unquote, elegant solution. That's as much of an elegant solution as I think you're going to get when the coach is going somewhere else to coach. I, I thought, given the circumstances, I don't know if you could have pulled that off any better than those guys did. So tip of the cap to Kraft because this is really what he wanted out of the day and out of that relationship and how to end the relationship for now. Tom Curran, friend of ours, Greg, said that Belichick did not want Kraft to answer questions. We'll, we'll get to Kraft and, and what he had to say and he had a lot to say, at least in my mind. number of things he said during that press conference that stood out to me today. But uh, I don't know about you. I thought it was the smart move by Robert to take questions. I think if you don't take questions, you kind of fall in line with the John Henry stance. You're not taking accountability necessarily. You're not talking to your fan base beyond just a, a statement that was prepared for you. I was concerned when it first came out that they were not going to take questions. I thought that'd be ridiculous. I understood Belichick's point because he doesn't want to be up there answering questions about the season. All that. Like he wants to move on. Right. But from mm-hmm. Kraft's standpoint, I thought it was the right call. Did you? Uh, yes. Now, I, my only hesitation, I was just thinking, you know, as you were speaking, like, what if they just did it the next day? They said, you know, look, we're going to give Bill his day and we'll be back to answer questions tomorrow. Would that have been maybe the better way to do it? But do you Um, think there's uh, less of a crowd the next day? And and Robert said, hey, look, I'm going to have this gigantic media contingent. So let's just do it today. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, I still think I still think they would have had everybody out again. Uh, Maybe not, you know, the news people and stuff like that. But I think that, you know, there isn't really a whole lot going on. I mean, you know, look, the Bruins and the Celtics are doing what they're doing and they're playing really well. The Red Sox aren't doing anything. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, I, you know, if I'm Belichick, you know, would it have been better if it was to the next day? Yeah, maybe. But I mean, at least he didn't try to do it, you know, when Belichick was there. I don't think that right. would have been the right thing you know it's hard for me to say whether the next day would have been the right thing and my I mean look if Robert was going to be open to questions about the future which he didn't really take today uh promising that we would hear from that in a matter of days and now we know why uh after a recent report which yeah we'll get to that soon um that that is a juicy piece of news um you know it would have been it would have been nice to get Robert in one shot about the end of bill and what's, what's it look like going forward. But maybe they have an idea to do that uh, very early next week with a, uh, with a, with a big announcement. Yeah. The big announcement, which we're going to get to. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is super easy to use. I use it all the time, love it. There are so many different ways to bet, like live same game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best ways to find popular parlays. I love those parlays. That's the way to go. And more. So visit fanduel.com slash Boston and make your first bet a layup. 
FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas City under an agreement with Kansas City Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued at non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit cpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit KS Gambling Help. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. All right, so let's get to this Robert Kraft press conference. And the way we're going to do this is I've got some of the questions and I got like, you know, excerpts from an answer that I thought was interesting. I'll just bounce off of you what Kraft had to say. If you have something to add, feel free. Let's start with, uh, you know, Kraft on why was this the right decision? Uh, He said, quote, the last three years have been pretty tough. Our family is the custodian of this asset. We know how important it is to the psyche of the community and what's gone on in the last three to four years isn't what we want. And I thought, Greg, that was just highlighting, look, it wasn't because we went four and 13. This is the accumulation Mm -hmm. of what's happened since Brady left town. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's just, you know, I think Robert was just basically saying like, look, we've all seen the trajectory from where we were from, you know, when Tom was here and it looked like we were making a little bit of a comeback, but then we went right back down and it's been going downhill. And um, there are consequences to that. You know, I will say, and, and, you know, he, the three years, three to four years, like he mentioned that a few times and including, you know, someplace down below, but I, I just wanted to take this opportunity to say, you know, bounce this off you, um, you know, not that it's out of character for them, but, you know, Robert Kraft has set a precedent. And now you could even say he go back to Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll lasted three years, slowly went downhill. I mean, you know, 10 and six, nine and seven, eight and eight. He was fired after yeah. three years. He referenced three years with Bill. Certainly the last two years were really rough. It was, you know, what, 10, 10 and six, uh, nine and eight, four and 13. He sort of set a precedent that, you know, whoever's next. <clears throat> Gerard Mayo, um, <laughs> you know, when it gets to be three years, if there's not progress, um, you know, if, if, if it's just around like 500 or stuff like that, the president is set. The clock is ticking. All right. So the next thing I wanted to discuss was the contract and considering a trade. He was asked about it. I don't know if it was Phil. It might have been Phil Perry who asked the question, but it was, you know, did you consider a trade of Bill Belichick? And here's what stood out to me, the excerpt from from that answer from Robert Kraft. Uh, quote, we try to create a culture and develop an environment where people want to stay and stay long term. If you look at this as a transaction, he is so valuable in how we could extract something. I don't think it was right. Now, there's more to what he said during this answer that I'll get to. But just first, your reaction to that part of the quote, Greg, as far as looking at this as a transaction and thinking long-term and, and try to you know, explain to us what Robert is, is looking at here, the dynamics and why he would go against the idea of, of dragging this out and looking for a deal. Well, you know, what I heard was, um, you know, look, does Bill have value? Yes. Could we probably get something for him? Yes. Um, you certainly see the transaction in that. But we're talking 24 years, and this is Bill Belichick, and there are personal feelings. Should should Bill, Bill Belichick I think he's earned better status than being dealt like he's a uh, 
he's a third wide receiver or something like that, you know, for, for, for some sort of compensation. That's what I heard. I mean, that, that was always my stance all along when people brought up like, Oh, they should trade Belichick. Like, I was just like, you know, look, guys, guys giving you 24 great years. And, you know, when people talk about the money, yeah, Bill gets paid a lot of money. But do you know how much money Belichick has saved Robert over the years just in terms of and I'm not talking about player contracts and stuff like that. But just if he was running a, a run of the mill NFL franchise and turning over coaching staffs and front offices, I mean, you know, look at the Jets or the Dolphins or the Raiders. I mean, you know, Mark Davis owes just Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler probably something like $100 million that he owes them. Yeah. And over 24 years, Robert never had to do that because Bill was so good. And so to me, it was more about like, you know, just look, yes, there a transaction could have been had, but this is a person who's brought us a lot of value. So I'm not going to I'm not going to hold him up over that. And I thought it showed Robert the businessman. To me, what it said was, look, this guy's done so much, as you said, Greg. But there's that personal kind of Midas touch that Kraft likes to have with the people that he works, you know, with and people that work for him. And and I thought that, you know, he to me, it screamed that Robert wasn't comfortable looking at Bill as an asset. He thought it was too cold. He thought it wasn't right. And he wasn't going to treat Belichick like he was a piece of meat to get a draft pick at the end of the day because of all the stuff that you just mentioned. The, the second part of that quote that I wanted to bring up to you was, quote, some people might criticize me for not, you know, extracting as much value. And I understand that. But we just try to do what's right for the proper values and the ability to operate and try to get people to come and feel like we're going to treat them fairly. So what Robert's saying there, Greg, is people are paying attention to how we treat people, especially at the end of this thing. And if we don't do this right, that might impact us for the next guy. And we don't want to mess around with that. What is that? What you took? Maybe something else as well from that? Yeah, no, that, yeah, that's what I took. That you know, look, the the crafts want to be viewed um, very favorably, and um, I think they have a right to that. And I think they've done a, a lot of really good things. And so, um, you know, you want to draw a hard line and be like, yeah, we're not letting Bill out until we get X, Y, and Z and holding people hostage and stuff like that. It's just not a good look. And I think that Robert realized that very early on at some point, like, you know, really, what are, what are we going to do? We're going to hold Bill Belichick hostage for, you know, a second round pick. I mean, that that's not a good look for us and not the type of business that we're in. I think people will look at this and it's my, obviously it's my opinion They'll look at this and say, oh, well, you know, Bill had all the leverage. And I disagree with that. I think Kraft had leverage. I, I, and, you know, whether it was 60, 40, 50, 50, I couldn't care less. I think Kraft had some leverage. I just don't think Kraft wanted to use that leverage because his leverage was time. His, his leverage was lame duck contract. And like you're saying, Greg, I just don't think Robert at the end of the day looked at it and said, that's what's best for business. That's what's best for this relationship. It's what's best for me. That's not going to work. So I do think he had some leverage if he wanted to go to war with Belichick. I don't think he wanted that war. I think he looked at it and said, 30,000 feet, it ain't worth it. And there's a difference between, you know, you can play hardball and you want to play hardball. I don't think Robert wanted to play hardball. Um, all right, as far as the personnel, let's get to that. I thought there was some juicy, juicy quote during this stuff. So uh, on on the idea of any consideration to adjusting Belichick's personnel role, quote, when you have someone like Bill who's had control over every decision, over every decision, the organization reports to him on the draft, how much money we spend. Every decision has been his. We've always supported him to then take some of that power away and give it to someone else. Accountability is important to me. And man, Greg, when he said this stuff, (laughs) it it jumped out at me. Number one, it's him. The draft is him. The money. Robert knows people talk about the money. Robert knows Felgi likes talking about the money spent. The Mm -hmm. money that we spend on him. Every decision has been his. 
He brought up accountability. I thought that was, it was diplomatically kind of presented, but I thought that told us an awful lot, Greg. Yeah. You know, I, I agree. I mean, he was definitely, Robert was definitely saying like, look, the reason we got here and the decisions as far as the draft and free agency and the money and all that stuff, it was Bill. It was yep. Bill. And that's how we're going to fix things because Bill's not in the mix anymore. And we're going to have a collaborative process and we're going to have, you know, uh, uh, a head coach who works with the personnel department, the personnel department, you know, mostly takes care of picking the players and they work in concert and I ha- zippity doo dah, like everything <laughs> is, everything is happy. And, you know, that wasn't the case with Bill that it was, you know, this went downhill because of Bill. And uh, I did think it was interesting that, you know, it seemed like they did broach the subjects, but like I said earlier, that they came to the realization, like this, this isn't going to work. There's no way for this to work. Yeah. Like I'm not going to listen. They're going to, they're going to think this, like he's, you know, and Robert even said, like uh, he made up a conversation. It was his, his pick, like Bill saying it was his pick and it was a bad pick. And then the GM saying he didn't play him, uh, play him the right way. Uh, and, and Kraft said it just wouldn't work in my opinion. And I, I completely agree with that. Found it interesting that he brought up the accountability too, because I, I just have to wonder multiple times this year, Greg, Bill's been asked about personnel and, and he's kind of danced around it. You know, like I'm not the only guy, there's a group of people collectively, blah, blah. And I, I just wonder if that rubbed Robert the wrong way a little bit. And so this was his opportunity to remind everybody, no, that he was the shot caller. Mm-hmm. He, he was the shot caller. He made the calls. And he, he tried to be a little bit mysterious about it and not always take accountability for some things, but he was the guy. About consolidating power, that was asked of, of, of Kraft. A little tidbit I want to ask you about. He said he made it a point. Robert made it a point that Belichick did not get all of this autonomy and power until after the third Super Bowl. Why do you think he said that? Was was that to defend himself giving Belichick that power? Was that a message to maybe the next head coach that, yeah, you're not going to walk in here and get all that power right off the bat? Yeah, I would say some of the latter, but also saying like, look, it it wasn't all Bill. I mean, the whole time, like it was, yeah, he had a lot of power for a lot of, a lot of years and did a lot of really great things. But the the way this dynasty started, you know, it wasn't, Bill Belichick was the end all be all of everything. So I think, it, I think both things work together. Thought it was interesting. Uh, and then we got to another juicy point. All of us, this is craft. All of us need checks and balances. We need Dr. Nose around us, protect us from ourselves. As things evolved and you get more power, sometimes people are afraid to speak up. Yeah, I I think that was basically, you know, Bill had gone too far um, with unchecked power, you know, people leaving and stuff like that. Maybe people who he would listen to and he didn't really replace them. And, and at the end, when this went downhill, it was mostly because Bill was left by himself to his own devices. And yep. um, that wasn't healthy for him. It wasn't f- healthy for the organization. And that's sort of how things uh, slid downhill that there weren't enough people to say, Bill, this isn't the right thing to do or Bill, we should be doing that. It was just, it was just Bill in the end. Yeah. And you know, I, I discussed this today on the podcast. I did Nick cattle show pod. If you want to check it out, Nick cattle show on the YouTube channel there. Um, I said that, you know, Belichick, what led to Belichick's downfall was the power that he ended up with. And inevitably when you get so much power, it could go badly. And and I thought we, we saw that towards the tail end here. And, and I thought Kraft was underlining that. And then later on, Kraft once again, Greg hit on the idea of the small circle, things that we've talked about. Yes, men. He said, quote, he always gave us the best he had. There was not a shortage of effort. Now, whether he has the right people around him or selected the right players that we can all make a judgment on. Yep. Yeah, I mean, look, it was it was pretty telling. I think it <laughs> I think it 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 speaks for itself and I think it's things that we you know, 
have have been saying for a long time like you know did, you know what happened to bill like what his coaching staff and and you know how is he picking the players and uh you know that that it wasn't bill the football coach yeah it was bill the entire seer of the organization for the patriots I thought the point of the right people around him, that was interesting. Is he talking about Matt Patricia? Is he talking about mm-hmm. Joe Judge? Is he talking about, you know, some of, guys, some of the guys in the front office? Outwardly saying, like, yeah, uh, the people around him weren't that great. It could have been better. So I, I thought that was interesting as well. Uh, reservations on if this is the right decision. The thing that really stood out to me was that he said that this decision, certain things in life, it's instinctual. I think both of us felt that the time was right for each of us to go off in our separate directions. I, I just thought to me, I don't know if you read it this way, saying instinctual to me tells me that Kraft isn't necessarily confident that this is going to end up being the be- the right call at the, like, you know, five, six years down the road. But this was more like, this is our instinct. This is what we feel like has to happen right now. And this is what's going to happen. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um yeah, I mean, I, I think that I think that's in, in important to note, and uh, you know, certainly uh, part of the discussion here. Did you ask him? Was this your question about the biggest reason why the team's fallen? Yeah, I thought it was. So Greg asked the question: Why do you think things have pretty much gone off the rails? And the piece of the answer that I, that I took here, and you might have more since it was your question, Greg. He said, "So many games we were close. Was it the coaching? Was it the personnel?" Something is not quite right from where it was. What do you think of his answer, that part of it, and really the answer in its entirety to your question? Yeah, I was a little, um, you know, quite frankly, I thought I was a little disappointed yeah. in the answer. I Me mean, too. we're talking about, you know, Robert, every time we met with him at the owners meetings, he's always had something to say about the draft or free agency or personnel or something like that. I, I figured he would say like our, our personnel's got to get better. Our drafting has to get better. You know, that sort of thing. Um, I don't know if he was just trying to be uh, kind to Bill, not, you know, dump on him, um, which is kind of what my question was <laughs> was leading him into. Not that I – that's not why I asked it. Actually, full transparency, the question before me uh, – or two questions before me was about about the Belichick and the personnel control about whether that was broached with him. Yeah. Um, that was the that was the question when I raised my hand that I was going to answer. Somebody else asked it, so I went further down my list. But I just sort of wanted his impression on, like, you know, why why has it come to this? And, and I you know, I do think he, you know, at the end of the day, he gave a decent answer where, you know, something isn't quite right from where it was. And, you know, that just reinforces that, you know, from where we were competing every year, um, maybe he doesn't think it was just Tom that, you know, something, some things had fallen off. And I think it's a combination coaching and personnel. Um, but I will say I was a little disappointed in his answer. I mean, look, if you're going to move on from Bill Belichick and there's some of our listeners here who probably aren't happy about it and, you know, considering what they might do after him, you know, is legit. Like, you know, I, I still think he was a really good coach. You know, I would have tried hard to find if there were other ways to do it, you know, maybe they did, maybe they, you know, maybe they didn't, but if you're going to move on from Bill Belichick, um, you know, who's still a really good coach and he's going to be wanted by somebody else, you better know exactly what the problems are and how you're going to solve them moving forward for the, for the organization. Because if you're not, if you're just like, Oh, we're not as good as we once were. Oh, well, okay. So, you know, we'll get rid of Bill. That's no reason. That's no way to move forward as an organization. It's not a path for success. You need to identify the problems and identify solutions. And maybe he has, and he was just being nice, but I was a little bit disappointed in the answer. One more before we get to the Mayo stuff and Ian Rappaport and what he posted tonight, which very, very interesting. I don't know if you took anything out of this, but I found it interesting when when Belichick was asked, I think uh, Karen asked this question about the biggest thing he learned from Bill. And he said, oh, I thought to myself, here's a guy who can relate to the players at that level, also has the football intellect, understands the economics. And then he says, most coaches didn't understand the value of the salary cap. 
he had the greatest ability to relate the two things, so coaching and the cap. And then he said, now a lot of his younger contemporaries have caught up with that. Mm-hmm. Is that saying Belichick has failed to evolve to take that next step and stay ahead of the curve? Or is it just more complimenting everybody else in that Belichick kind of set the standard? Or is it both? I think it's the former. I think he's saying that, like, look, and this is true, and this is why the the, the Patriots, a good reason why, along with Tom Brady, why they were so successful, especially in the first part of the dynasty, where um, Bill was ahead of everybody else in terms of tapping into, uh, you know, sort of low money, veteran free agency, filling gaps, you know, how he looked at players, how he how he valued them in terms of free agency and cap space and stuff like that. Like Bill was way ahead of the curve and he really was. And but he never really deviated from that. He yeah. never, you know, he evolved his defense a little, went from more zone to a lot more man. And that certainly helped them uh, in the second part of the dynasty. But as far as like overall operations, the size of the coaching staff, you know, one thing, Nick, and we haven't talked about it, but you know, we, you hear a lot from people who like to make excuses for, for Belichick about like how he's lost all these people over the years and how they went to X, Y, and Z. well, if you look at these other places, like, for example, Baltimore with Eric DaCosta, I mean, first of all, nobody ever leaves Baltimore. Seattle has all these people in-house that they've been able to keep. And a few guys leave here and there. The Dallas Cowboys, Will Clay, who is, you know, could basically get any job he wanted to. Um, they never leave. The, the Bengals front office people. They never leave, despite other people, the owners having personnel say in Cincinnati and Dallas, um, you know, those people never leave because they get well compensated. They know they have a voice at the table. They know they have impact, but that doesn't happen here. And that's why a lot of people have flown the coop. I mean, Eric DaCosta could have been a GM like 10 times over if he wanted to over the years. But he liked it in Baltimore. He liked the way he was paid. He liked the way that Ozzy, you know, listened to him yep. and he had input and he could see it. But that never happened here with Bill. So that's 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 been a blind spot for him. So I think just in a lot of different ways, you know, salary cap, you know, working contracts to get more cap space and, and putting it in the future and to help the team now. Like Bill never did any of these things. So I think Kraft is just saying like, yeah, Bill was on the cutting edge. And that's why we rose to prominence. But he never really learned any new tricks, and everybody else sort of passed us. All right, let's get to Ian Rappaport and the NFL Network. It's about an hour ago. We're, we're recording, obviously, on Thursday night. Sources. Gerard Mayo is a strong candidate to replace Bill Belichick. And if he is the choice, the Patriots could simply hire him. No need to go through the lengthy hiring process. They established a firm contractual succession plan in a prior contract and communicated it to the NFL. Uh, Ian followed that up by quote tweeting his tweet saying, simply the Patriots created a succession plan. Gerard Mayo, there is precedent. You just mentioned Eric DaCosta. The Ravens did it with GM Eric DaCosta. The Colts did it with Jim Caldwell. And the Seahawks did it with Jim Mora. And I can't get to the sound right now, but apparently rap was on the NFL network just a little while ago and talked about how the Patriots contractually established Mayo as the successor to Bill Belichick. There's a lot here, but I saw your reaction on Twitter slash X and it was wow. Just your thoughts, Greg, when you saw this other than the wow. Yeah. Um, a couple of things. Um, First of all, and, and, you know, I already heard from people on Twitter about this. They're like, you know, uh, you know what the Rooney rules even for? And like, look, I understand Gerard Mayo is a black head coach. I understand. But no. the spirit of <laughs> the spirit of the Rooney rule is there. So no matter what happens, every single owner is 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 um, gets exposure to. Various minority candidates. They have to. They have to um, interview at least two. Yep. In person, and really, the spirit of the the rule is just to to get these people in front of 
these owners who might not have exposure to them. And like, let's leave Gerard's race out of this. It doesn't really matter because look, the Raiders are going to have to go through it with it. Even if they promote Antonio Pierce, they take the, the interim tag off because that wasn't built into those contracts. So they are going to have to interview two minority candidates if they even want to hire Antonio Pierce. Um, it's, it's just there to get these, um, these coaches exposure to these owners and these owners to get exposure to these coaches that they would not otherwise give. And a lot of things can happen off of that. Robert Kraft could be, um, let's see, who's, who's a good example. Um, I'm not even sure, but let's just let's just use Brian Flores. I mean, I know he knows Brian Flores, but just say, uh, you know, Eric whether it's the, the, Eric Bieniemy, Eric Bieniemy, okay, Eric Bieniemy comes in and interviews with the Patriots, and they might be they might you know be set on Gerard Mayo, but say Eric Bieniemy comes in and blows the doors off them. Yeah, like there's a couple of different outcomes. Number one. What if Gerard Mayo only lasts a year for whatever reason? Maybe he doesn't like the job. Maybe it's the stress. Maybe it's health-related. Whatever. He only lasts a year. The Crafts can go back and be like, well, we just interviewed this guy. We loved him. And so let's get him back in here. Or Crafts could be blown away, and they're at the league meetings, or, or some owner calls them up and be like, hey, what do you think about this guy who interviewed? Be like, holy cow, that guy was phenomenal. If we weren't already set on Gerard, we would have hired him on the spot. Like, that's how these things happen. So that's the spirit of the rule, not just to end up with a with a minority head coach, which doesn't really happen all that often in the NFL. I'm glad the Patriots are doing it, but it, it's there to increase the chances and the exposure of minority coaching candidates to all NFL owners. And now by doing this, and we'll get into the, whether they should have done it, the, the pitfalls, what have you. But now that they've done this, this will go from the Patriots, the, the crafts will go from when they hired Bill Belichick in the year 2000 through whenever Gerard Mayo is done as head coach without talking to a minority coaching candidate. Yeah. And like that's against the spirit of the rule. And so that's one aspect that I was like. Wow, I did, and, and and look, I understand. Like in the early days of the Rooney Rule, there were a ton of loopholes, and people got around it. But they've really strengthened it in recent years. So I had no idea that this was even possible. Um, the other, the other big sort of wow thing for me is a year ago, the Crafts decided a, a a person who just finished their fourth year as a as an assistant coach was the person to succeed Bill Belichick. And that just surprised the hell out of me. I mean, it just, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And I'm sure they didn't envision um, Bill being gone after one year. They figured it was two years. That's why their contracts were sort of well, let linked me up in. the way that they were. Let me jump in because, again, I can't listen to the sound because I'm obviously doing the podcast with you. But when Ian tweeted out the video from NFL Network, here's what that tweet says from at NFL Total Access prior to the season. The Patriots contractually established Gerard Mayo as the successor. So again, I I'm not I haven't heard the sound, but that reads to me that it was done before this season. Well, I will tell you. So I emailed um, a league spokesman about this. You okay. know, just asking the question: Can they do this? And he said, uh, "Not commenting on specific coaching situation, but the policy, the Rooney Rule." doesn't apply in cases where an individual had a pre-existing commitment from an organization to become the next head coach. That would have to be included in his contract that was filed with the league prior to the beginning of the season. Um, so, you know, who knows when that was put in? I mean, I don't know what would have changed from, you know, they wanted to keep Gerard and not let him interview for head coaches in you know, whatever, February or March to, I don't know, August when they put this in, but I, I don't know. Well, we now know why uh, Mayo wasn't getting any interview requests. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think people knew in the league what the hell was going on here. We also know why some reporters, uh, I think, you know, Tom Curran's been one of them that's been pretty confident that not, they're going to stick with their Mayo plan. I don't know if Tom knew about this contractual, you know, clause that they had in there, but he was pretty confident. The first thing, though, I got I'm a couple sure he things. did. The first thing that jumps out to me was 
your report on Mayo going back, you know, about he's rubbing people the wrong way. I remember you and I did a podcast a week or two ago, and you said something along the lines of some people feel like Mayo's acting like he already has the job. Well, maybe that's why Mayo is acting like he already had the job, because, Greg, he knew he already had the job. Uh, yes, that is, uh, that is fair to say. I, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I will say that this, um, this news is, is, um, not being greeted well in a lot of mm. circles, a lot of Patriots related circles, but, um, you know, it is, it is what it is. Would you say now I'm going to dig cause you just opened that up a little bit. Would you say some people on the staff who might have thought, hey, if Bill goes, maybe I got a shot at an interview here. Now they're looking at it going, wait a minute. I was brought in and now I find out there's this whole succession plan that I was unaware of. Mm, I mean, I'm sure they feel that way. Um, But as far as, you know, my reporting, again, which I stand by 100 percent. Yep. I don't think I don't think anybody knew about this. I mean, right. I, you know, I've already gotten yeah, a bunch would of that, would that bother like, them. What the that's what I'm saying is, would that would that rub <laughs> to to turn it around? Would that rub those people the wrong way? That oh, wait a minute. So there was a whole succession plan here, and uh, I, I might not have had a shot. I mean, for example, Bill O'Brien. Did Bill O'Brien mm-hmm. think he might have had an outside shot at this head coaching job if Belichick left? And now he's sitting there going, "Wait a minute. I guess I had no chance from the beginning." I know. And, and, you know, when, when he accepted the job, you know, let's just put it this way. And, and I don't know, I haven't talked to Billy about this just to say straight up about this. I haven't talked to him all season. Um, you know, he was brought back here. Did he possibly think like, well, you know, maybe I would have a chance to succeed bill if things go yep. you know, really well at some point. And then, you know, to find out now that it was in the bag already, that it was Gerard, no matter what, I don't know. I wouldn't feel great about it. Is this leaked tonight because of a, just the bill Belichick story and everybody's wondering who's going to follow him. B a lot of talk about Mike Vrabel, the way you can kind of squash that is saying, nah, we got a succession plan or C both of those, all the above. Uh, I think it was, I think it's mostly, I would say it's from the Patriots, um, from the crafts with people being like, oh, well, what's next? And I think they're going to move pretty quickly on this. I think this was leaked on purpose. I don't know if it's going to be tomorrow or early next week, but I think they're going to announce this pretty soon. You know, I think, you know, after with Bill leaving and what a momentous occasion that was, well, Let's get right into, you know, what we're going to do next. And, you know, here's here's the new vision, the new day of Patriots football. I think it's going to happen pretty quickly now that this was leaked. Is this unfair for Mayo? It makes it look like he had this inside track a year or two ago and this was all kind of settled and maybe he didn't necessarily earn it the way he should have earned it. This was maybe some people will look at this and say it was given to him. Um, I'll say that. Uh, I don't think he cares. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I look. This is a guy. He's, God, he's, he's one of the head coaching jobs. How about that? that? That's what I gotta say. I don't. I'm yeah, one of thirty-two. But I will say, yeah. I like. I will say, in the grand scheme of things, you know, just you know, from our perspective, man, this makes it even rougher on Mayo. It was one thing for to replace Bill Belichick, which is rough enough. Um, but now that, you know, the, the, the crafts passed up the opportunity to really like vet him and put him up and say, this is the right guy for the job. They have no idea. Like they haven't talked to anybody. Um, they, you know, they've really sort of put Gerard on the spot. So not only is he, not only is he replacing Bill Belichick, but now he is he's such a good coaching candidate that the crafts didn't even need to entertain anybody else, including Mike Vrabel. There was a story about how Belichick, he pretty much recruited Mayo to be a coach. He like wined and dined him and he 
and, and he and he worked hard at like trying to get him out of the staff because he thought he could be a good coach. How much do you think Belichick had to do with this? Not not to say that he would go to the crafts and say, "Oh, I think you should hire Mayo's next guy." But but do you th- since Belichick had his fingers in pretty much everything? Do you think this was bounced off of him? Do you think this was a suggestion by Bill or they asked him for a recommendation and Bill said, yeah, I think Gerard could be the guy. Or do you think Bill, Bill, Bill would not touch that with a 10 foot pole? He was more focused on his job. Um, I think that the, the story, whether it's real or not, will be Belichick gave his blessing for this. Um, blah, blah, blah. I asked somebody who would know about, you know, do, do you think Bill knew about this? And their comment was, sure. He's excited to be moving on. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Because- but I mean, let, let's talk about this. See, here's, you know, if let's just talk about this in general, like, look, I'm not commenting on who the Patriots are going to hire whoever they want. And I just want to make this clear just in case anybody has any delusions. And I'm sure there are because there's social media out there and everybody's freaking deluded. Like, I don't care who the Patriots hire as their head coach. The job for me doesn't change. I evaluate the team. It doesn't, I've been through this before. I've been through coaching changes. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter who it is to me. Um, You know, I, I just I don't like this. I don't like this for Gerard because, like, look, if you go through the the battles and the interviews and all this stuff, and you're the best candidate, boom, you've earned it. You know what have you? And and I'm not saying he hasn't earned this because I do think he was going to be a really good head coach, and I do think one of Robert's comments today about how in 1996 he was he he his gut told him to hire Belichick and he didn't. Yep, and. I do think I, I couldn't when he said that, I was like, this is Gerard. I think this is the same situation. In a lot of ways, a younger Robert Kraft might have been like, no, I'm gonna go with Vrabel or I'm gonna go with, you know, whoever. And Gerard goes someplace else, what have you. Um I I think that he learned his lesson from that. And he's like, he has a gut feeling about Gerard Mayo and he's gonna go with it. And that's fine. He's earned that. He's earned it. You know, it's gonna be scorecard. But if I'm a Patriots fan. You know, basically what we're setting up here is you're promoting from a from a coaching staff that just went four and 13. That is three losing seasons in four years. I mean, you look at some of these other things like, you know, DaCosta succeeding Ozzie Newsom. A lot of these actually, I think almost all of them were retirements. So DaCosta and Ozzie Newsom in 2018. Dungy, I think, retired and, and turned it on to Jim Caldwell, I think. In 20, uh, 2008, Holmgren retired the first time, turned it over to Jim Mora, who was a hot, hot coaching candidate. To me, this doesn't match up with these other situations um, because, yeah, Gerard was being mentioned in head coaching interviews, but we don't – I've heard he didn't interview that well at other places. I don't think he was all that serious. It wasn't like Eric DaCosta, who could have had any job he wanted to. Um, Jim Mora was very – he turned down a head coaching job, like an offer. I mean, maybe he did. Maybe that will come out that Gerard Mayo had an offer from the Carolina Panthers. Or no, well, he didn't even interview last time. or So he didn't even get the point. I could see the crafts. If Gerard Mayo was offered a head coaching opportunity and they did this similar to Jim Moore Jr., then okay, I understand. Like you're you're keeping track of your asset. But that's not – apparently that's not what happened here. But if I'm a Patriots fan, getting back to my original point, like, and we are just, we're moving on from Bill Belichick. A, this looks like a lot of just deck chair arranging. Okay, we'll see how it goes. But if I'm a Patriots fan, like, and we're moving on from Bill Belichick, the greatest coach of all time, I'm sorry, I want to explore my options. I want the, I want if I'm the I want the crafts to go out there and talk to the best general manager candidates. I want them to talk to the bed head, best head coaching candidates and then figure out which way's best f- for the team. And is that hiring a GM first? Is that hiring Mike Rabel first? Is that, you know, whatever it is. Is it hiring Eric Bieniemy? I don't know, but they don't know either. They don't know what's on the other side. Now, and to me, if I'm a Patriots fan, that's the disappointing thing that the that the the crafts aren't doing due diligence on and they could be passing up the next great coach in this franchise's history. Maybe they hired the right one. All I'm saying is this puts a lot more pressure 
on them to get this right when the chances of this being right based on other succession plans isn't that great. Does this lead us to believe that the GM is going to just be from within? Well, I mean, we're at the point of Gerard Mayo had it was in the succession plan. You have to imagine that Mayo was not the only part of said succession plan, right, Greg? Uh, I would think so. Now, there is, uh, you know, one candidate that I think has, um, well, there's a few candidates out there that have Patriots connections that maybe Gerard um, has a relationship with. Like, for example, Trey Brown with the Bengals um, used to be here, um, has a relationship with Mayo. Um, You know, could he get a look? This week, could that be the guy that, you know, for, uh, as far as these things go, I mean, I'm really hoping that they at least do some interviews on the GM side or director of personnel. I mean, you have Gerard sit him next to you. And I know he was in a lot of uh, interview free agency, whatever, last year, um, assistant coaching stuff, the Clem, um, what have you, uh, Bill O'Brien, you know, they're they're their searches for offensive coordinator and offensive line coach. Um, you know, let Gerard be there and let, let him pick the guy he wants to work with. And it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody right here. Go look. Maybe, maybe other teams are doing something a better way than the Patriots. If Gerard's the guy, let him decide. I will say that if you look at the history, you know, they've hired two coaches. Those coaches have both worked out pretty damn well over the long term with obviously Belichick and his success and Pete Carroll went on to do some great things. So Kraft does have a good track record of picking the right guy. Mm -hmm. It does make you wonder though, with this process, it's always, it's always, you know, iffy when you talk succession plans because of the intent of the succession plan and, and why was it done when it was done and what else was going it just brings a lot of murkiness to the equation. It doesn't go through the regular process that we're all accustomed to. So when you do something different outside the box like this, it's going to cause some antennas to go up. All right, we've gone really long. Anything else you want to add to a day that was uh, pretty historic, Greg? Um, I did have something, but it just went outside my brain because it's been overheating <laughs> all day. Um, I, I, there was something along the lines of, May, yeah, about craft and like, look, you know, the crafts are entitled to make this decision. Like they are the stewards. They have a really good track record. They're two for two on, on hall of fame coaches. Gerard Mayo could be number three. Um, you know, I, I might not like their process, um, but it doesn't really matter what I, they're going to pick who they're going to pick. And then, right. You know, we start over. It's just like a draft pick. Like we all have our favorites and, in the draft and the Patriots got this guy or whatever. And like, that's fine. But as soon as they pick the guy and he's on the Patriots, you know, now it's start from zero. Now we're keeping score. It's the same thing with the coach. So whoever they pick and it sure seems hella likely that it's going to be Gerard Mayo. Um, you know, we will continue to be fair and balanced and, and, um, you know, you know, sort of weigh those things and, you know, we'll see where it is. At the end. One last one. I'm going to squeeze it in. Any chance that this was leaked by the crafts to see what the reaction would be so they might have the opportunity to possibly pivot and talk to a Mike Vrabel or go out and, and interview some people? Is that anywhere near a chance of a possibility? Or no, this is set out, it's leaked out because they're ready to announce this bad boy. I think it's the latter. I'd like to say it's a little bit of the former. By the way, one one other thing I wanted to mention about this. So I've been seeing all these various polls, Twitter polls, NBC, Bo- NBC Sports Boston, yeah. you know, what have you. And they put, like, who do you want as the next head coach? Bill Belichick, Mike Vrabel, Gerard Mayo, somebody else. It was always Belichick and Vrabel neck and neck and neck and neck. And Mayo was at like 5%, like every single poll. So, I mean, I hope they know what they're doing. I mean, like you said, with succession plans, you know, plans are nice. You know, what's Mike Tyson say about everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth? Yep. Well, 4-13 and punched them in the mouth. Are they sticking with their plan? Or now that Mike Vrabel's available for free and what he can do and a proven coach who, who, talking to somebody who worked with him in Tennessee the other day, told me, he can 
and this will sound like Belichick, and this is why I bring it up. He can coach all three phases of the game. And um, this guy who, you know, certainly could have told other tales about Mike Vrabel, couldn't say enough good things about him, said, yeah, you know, he's he's really hard on assistant coaches. I know somebody else who is. Um, but uh, couldn't be more impressed with him. The outpouring from his players yesterday, immediately yeah. after he was fired the other day, that was impressive. I mean, look, I don't know how you're the crafts. You don't at least bring Vrabel in and talk to him and then decide. And look, if Gerard doesn't like it, you know, I mean, it is what it is. Maybe if somebody else hires him, he leads. He leaves. You get a third round pick, compensatory pick for him leaving. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know how you do your due diligence if you're the crafts right now. He's Greg. I'm Nick. Episode brought to you by FanDuel, exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. New customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Who knows what's going to happen the next few days. I know we'll be back early next week to uh, digest it all and to discuss what the next steps are. Until then, everybody be safe, be good, have some fun this weekend. It is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattle.